my name is Mikey. I am the associate pastor here. And I just want to say, if this is your first time joining us again, we just want to say we are so glad that you are here today. Um, we got, uh, we're celebrating um, Father's Day today. We've got uh, an incredible um, gift um, as you leave, guys. If you're a guy, if you're a dad, if you're a father, father-to-be, just a dude, whatever, we want to give you a gift as you leave today um, just for being you. And uh, we're glad that you're here in this place. And then we also have um, root beers and soda, um, sorry, root beer and Topo Chico out there for anyone. Um, there are in glass bottles, so we do have Capri Suns for your kids. Um, and so, thank you. Um, but... We just want to celebrate dads today. Um, I also just want to say um, that, that we also, are, are we also the, our, our, our country is also celebrating Juneteenth, um, if you're aware. Uh, that today is June 19th, and um, if you don't know what that is, but that is the, uh, I believe it was two years after the Emancipation Proclamation that, that the government began to go into um, states and say, hey, slaves are no longer allowed. And we want to celebrate that, and we want to say thank you, Jesus, that, that he has... He has rescued and, and helped us in this broken and ugly part of our history that we are still today fighting and we are still today trying to, 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 to make better and to love well. And so I just want to bring acknowledgement to that, that today is that day. And so, um, okay, well, today is Father's Day also, and um, we ha- I have a, a special uh, message that we've been going through um, a, a series called Untapped, um, and Pastor John Mark has been talking through this idea of potential, and, and he's going to be, ba- be back next, sem- next semester. No, no. Uh, he'll be back next Sunday um, to uh, finish up that series on Untapped, and so I'd encourage you to be here. But today I do um, have a, a special message um, about fatherhood, and um, I just want to um, say that I am excited about it. I am pumped. I want to... Uh, I want us to leave knowing the, the, how God sees us. And so I'm going to pray one more time, and then we're going to um, jump in to the message this morning. And so, Lord, Father, we ask that you would speak to us. Speak to us. Bring to mind um, who you are and who you truly are. Lord, let us see you this morning. Let us hear from you this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, hey, if you have um, a dad in your life or a grandpa or um, anyone um, that may be a little bit older or you may, this might be you. I believe that there are a few, I looked it up and there's actually like a list of like 20 things that the older generation wants to make sure that we always know, right? That there's always like these few things that the older generation always wants us to know. Like maybe you've heard these, but Something, it goes, along, it goes along the line, something like this, is that, well, when I grew up, you know where I'm going? You already have a few, but well, when I grew up, there was only three TV channels on the TV, NBC, ABC, and CBS. Yeah, we didn't even have a remote. Well, when I grew up, we had to walk to school both ways uphill. Have you heard this one? In the snow. In the snow. And my dad lived in Texas, and there's no snow in Texas. He got me. When I grew up, I was working by the time I was 13. I was running my own business. Did you ever, my, 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 uh, the people in my life have said that to me over and over. Like, 
you're getting a job. You're only, you're 15. I've had a job. I had a job two years before that. Thanks, Dad. I appreciate it. Well, when I grew up, gas was less than a dollar. Anybody remember the day? Honestly, this might age me, but I remember the day that it went from 99 cents to dollar one. I know. Um, Well, when I grew up, we didn't even wear bike helmets. When I grew up, I remember waiting at the airport gate to welcome family getting off of the plane. That was pre-9-11. When I grew up, I didn't even have a cell phone until I was 18 years old. This is, this is my story. But when I grew up, we sat. Now, remind me, you're driving, road trip. As a kid, where did you sit? You sat on the back windshield, the ledge, going between the windshield and, you know what I'm talking about? I sat right in that little spot because I was like this big for most of my life. But <laughs> I'm joking. I'm an average-sized male. Um, my favorite one is this, is that every, every person, and myself included, and Robert Knight actually says, I've heard Robert say this, well, when I grew up, we drank water out of the water hose, not out of your fancy bottles. So I thought these were, I thought these were funny. I thought these were great to hear that, that there is something that the older generation wants us to know. And this morning, I want, to talk, I want to talk about three things that I think that us as dads, us as men, us as fathers, fathers-to-be, I think we need to know. And now as I say that, I want you to know that, that ladies, women, guys, everyone, I know that, that today as Father's Day is, is a day of emotional, it can be emotional turmoil. I know that not all of us grew up with dads that we, that we loved, that we knew, that we respected, that were good to us. I know that, I know that even today in our current state that some of, some of us in here are actually currently in a home that doesn't have that male figure. And I, know, and I know that's hard. And I want you to know that all week I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you to hear from Jesus this morning, to hear from God this morning, to know that he's saying, I haven't forgotten about you. And that as I talk this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer and I'm going to talk to guys a lot. I'm going to talk to fathers. And, um, and so two things. One, men, I'm going to say fathers a lot, but men, that is you. Biological father or not, that is still you. And so hear me when I say, as fathers, I'm still talking to you men that are not fathers. And women know that I have, my heart is for you to also hear that Jesus has a special place in, in his kingdom and in, in, he's got special grace and mercy and strength for you as you single parent this thing so well. And so know that I'm not, I, don't, I hope that you don't walk out feeling any kind of shame or guilt or condemnation or judgment from me at all, okay? I just wanna start with that by saying I know it's not easy. And so as we move forward, just know that. Well, I want to start with the reality of um, fatherhood. And that maybe you're aware, maybe you're not, that, that there is an epidemic happening in our culture right now. Do you know that, that the generation coming up right now is referred to as the fatherless generation? It's referred to as the fatherless generation already. We know this, and, and, maybe it's, and I, I believe that it's not even a surprise to most of us, but, 
But the latest statistics came out from the U.S. Census of Bureau, or Bureau, Census Bureau, that's one word, that's, that's two words, um, that in America today, there's 28 to 30% of children today live without a father figure in their home. That's over one in four kids live without that father figure in their home. In the, in the 1980s, that number was around 15%. In one generation, we have almost doubled that percentage. If this was related to a disease, it would be considered a national emergency. The how many people are affected by this thing called fatherlessness. The reality is, is that we have an issue here in America, and honestly, globally. And again, I say it's probably not a secret, and it's probably not a surprise to any of us. And that's not even mentioning the fathers that, that are actually at home physically, but emotionally and spiritually, they're absent. That number would drastically rise if we encountered those. And so I know um, this past Mother's Day, we had an incredible panel of ladies that were up here that, that were sharing um, just with us as a, as a church, as moms, as, as women, as ladies of God, just sharing. And, and the way they shared was inspiring and just motivating. And I know that um, I was actually talking to someone um, in the hallway today. And I know that so often what happens is they're like, okay, it's guy's time. It's ready to go. And I just, I get up here as a drill sergeant and I'm like, you're failing here and you're not doing, and, and it's just like this other approach where, where guys come in and like, man, I'm a complete loser. You know, and they walk out and it's like, that's not my heart today either. That's not, that's not what I want. What, I, what, I'm playing, what my heart for this morning is, is that, that it's almost like a halftime speech. I heard recently that, the, that during halftime, during halftime, the coach doesn't come in with a whole bunch of new stuff and a whole bunch of new game plans and strategies and, and this, but he comes in and just says, okay, let's realign what you already know. Let's realign where you actually are. Let's realign the game plan that's already there. And so that's kind of what I want for this morning, is, is that this is not a, I'm not, I don't wanna, I don't wanna harp on you and I don't wanna beat you down because guess what, I'm in this boat with you. But I do want to say, okay, as, as a coach and as a father, let's, let's kind of realign our faces. Let's realign our, our, our direction as dads and as men, and let's see what we can do. A couple other, I, I, I forgot about these, and this, is, this was actually stunning to me, but do you guys know that, that the most attended day in church, what it is? Easter, come on, it's always Easter. Um, but the second most attended day, um, second or third different things is Mother's Day. Um, and then one of the least attended days in church is Father's Day. And the percentage across America for men to women inside of our churches is men is 30% and women is 70%. Again, I bring all this up not to beat us down, but I bring all this up to say, hey, guys, we're here. We're here. You're in, you're in the church. You are beating the odds. And I want to say that off the, off the, beat, off the, off the start, I want to say, that's half the battle. That's more than half the battle of just being here. And so we as a church applaud you and say thank you for being here. Thank you for being in church this morning. And so, so um, I want to read a couple verses um, and bring to light um, that, that this idea of a fatherlessness generation is not actually new. 
It's not a new thing. It's not something that just happened with our generation. It's not something um, in 1 Corinthians 4.15, Paul's writing to the church of Corinth. This is one of my verses in my life that just has stuck with me and has just like really broken my heart. But here's what it says. It says, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. He says, for I became your father in Christ through the gospel. Paul is already talking to the church um, in the first in, in, in the New Testament, he's already talking to the church and saying, hey, this, this fatherlessness is already happening. It's already taking place. It's already going on. See, look, you have many guides in Christ. You have a lot of people that will tell you about Jesus. You have a lot of people that will tell you about church and about religion and about customs and cultures, but you don't have many fathers. Go back a few thousand years, Genesis 3, verse 12, even in the beginning of it, men are already starting trying to skirt their responsibilities off onto the woman. The man said, God's looking for Adam in this point. They've already sinned and they've hidden, and God's now looking for Adam at this point. And he says, the man said, the woman who you gave to me, gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. From the very beginning, Guys are already kind of trying to skirt responsibility. And then a couple thousand years later in Psalms 68 verse 5, God is talking of himself and he says, but, but I will be the father of the fatherless and protector of the widows is that is God in his holy habitation. So I bring all this up to say that this idea of fatherlessness is not something that's new. It's something that happened from the beginning and has happened consistently throughout the, uh, throughout the scriptures. And as we talked about, it's already is still happening today. And, and I want to I ask the question, why? Why? And so I mentioned that um, there's three things I want us to know when we leave. And the first one is this. Um, the first one is, is that we need to know our enemy. And so if we're wanting to push back against this fatherlessness, if we're wanting to say, hey, as a, as a man, as a guy, as a, as a culture, I want to begin to push back against this, this fatherlessness, we've got to know three things. The first one is this, is that we've got to know our enemy. The greatest offense is a good defense. The greatest defense is to know your enemy's offense. And so if you know what's coming, you have the advantage. As a Houston Astros fan, I know this to be true, that if you know what pitch is coming, it's much easier to win the game. If you're not a sports fan, I apologize, but 2017 champions. Um, <laughs> Jake knows what I'm talking about. Um, so, but... If we know what's coming, if we know our enemy, if we know what our enemy's plans are, then we can actually fight against that much easier. And so why is it that, that this fatherlessness has been an issue since the beginning? Because that's been the plan and the plot from hell since the beginning. That, that the enemy, the first thing he wanted to do was he said, you know what I need to do is I need to take out the dad. I need to take out the man. I need to take out the father. I know that if I can get him, the rest of the culture is vulnerable. It's more susceptible. It's more, it's more vulnerable to attack if I can take out the man. So from the beginning, his, his plot, his plan, his attack 
was to get Adam, was to take Adam out. Who, uh, who, who loved uh, middle school gym, gym class? I, uh, I lived for it. I didn't love it. I lived for it. Like I, gym class was it for me. Like I, I mean, I, I didn't do great in school, <laughs> just in general, but gym class, I excelled. Um, I, I mean, I wore it as a badge of honor if I could get so sweaty that my shirt was like dripping and that I'd have to go back to class and sit by a girl and be like, ha yeah, look at me. Never impressed a girl ever once in my life with that, but, or I mean, I always did like the, you know, the joke where you try to wipe your sweat on their hand or something or on their arm and they hated me, but it's fine. But I remember, I remember gym class and I remember um, there was one game that I loved more than anything. My favorite game and I still, man, if there was an adult version of this or a kid, I could take out some kids with this game, but um, just kidding. I love forget it, um, but was Dr. Dodgeball. Have you ever played this game? So it's Dodgeball, and mind you, this is Dodgeball before we cared about like concussions and like <laughs> broken faces and broken noses, and so we used those small little like rubber balls that you would just like, you could throw like 700 miles an hour and just bust a kid's face. Those are the balls we used and so it's traditional dodgeball. You know, you had your team there, you got your team there. They'd all run to the middle, grab the ball, and just start to hurt each other with the ball. Uh, when you got hit, you would sit down right, right where you are. So in this version, you would sit down right where you are, and each team had one doctor. They had one doctor on each team. That, that, that doctor, that person's role, all their job was is to go around and touch their players that got hit. And if they touched their players that got hit, they were able to stand back up and get back in the game. And so as a team, your strategy is take out the doctor. Because you know if you can take out the doctor, the rest of the team is vulnerable. The rest of the team has no way of getting help, has, has no way of being rescued. And this, I believe, is the enemy's attack on men. This is what I believe is the enemy's attack on fathers. He's saying the way that I can create uh, just discord and, and turmoil and absolute destruction in a city and in a country and in a religion is not to just uh, create bitterness, but no, why don't I just take the guy out completely? If I could just take him out, that will create vulnerability for the rest. And guys, we've got to know this. We've got to know our enemy and not just know him. He's not, let me just be clear. Pastor John Mark, Pastor John Mark preached a few weeks ago about the, the enemy, about the devil, the Satan. He, if, you, if you didn't hear it, go listen to it. But he talked about it. And I want us to be reminded that, that we are not, that our enemy is not just a little, a little guy with a pitchfork and uh, whatever. It's not just a little guy that just stands here. He is a ferocious enemy that is actually on the prowl to destroy us. And he has no care and no like and no love for us at all. His, his one goal is to take us out. And so we have to know this. We have to know our enemy. The second thing I want us to know, which is actually more important, but the second thing is, is know your God. Know your God. A.W. Tozer has this incredible quote. 
He says, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. He continues on saying, we are constantly moving towards our image of God. And so whatever our image of God is, that's what we're moving towards. And so if we look through the Gospels, if we look through just just the Gospels alone, it's 149 times God refers to himself through his word as Father. So we've got to know our God. And I don't mean we got to know about him. I don't mean we got to know stats and and statistics about him. That's easy. If if that was it, then that'd be easy. If we knew that, well, he bats a thousand. He went to this college and he went to that college and he did this. And that'd be easy. But God is saying, I want you to know me as Father. I want you to know me as Father. What What I mean by know our God is that First is, is that God loves you. Morgan, Morgan talked about that in that verse. That this is like one of those, like, like I said, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not preaching anything new or deep or, it's actually very deep, but nothing new or extravagant. It is extravagant. I'm not, forget it. I'm not going to try to explain it. But God loves you. Unfortunately, this is a cliche for a lot of us. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, we hear that and we're like, well, yeah, I know he does. And guys, specifically, look at me. God loves you. Not, not only does he love you, but he, he likes you. He's proud of you. He's, he's excited to be around you. He wants, to, he wants you to know that, that he's, he's smiling down on you. That God loves you. That he wants you to know that. He wants you to know that he loves you. You know, salvation is not us just getting to heaven. Salvation is not just us. When we have salvation and we're saved by Jesus, it's not just us just being like, okay, I'm going to heaven. Woo! That's exciting. But bigger than that is is that we get Jesus. We get Jesus. We get to have him as our father. Who wants to go to heaven without Jesus? Jesus. No, we get Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's saying, know me. Know that I love you. Know that I, I have compassion for you. That I am, I'm not angry with you. God's saying, know me. Know me. He wants us to know also that, that he will never leave us behind. That God loves us. But then he also wants us to know that he's not going to leave us behind. Because I know I'm with you. I know that there's some guys in here, maybe, maybe a lot of us, that we're feeling like, I've screwed it up too much. I've messed it up. I, have, I am Adam in the sense that I have, I have passed the blame off to someone else. I am, I've, I've, I'm, just, I'm too far gone. I haven't led my family well. I haven't led my life well. I haven't led my, mentals, my, uh, my mentality or my, my thoughts well. I haven't, I, haven't done any, I haven't done it, so I'm done. And God is saying this morning, he's saying no. He's saying you will not be left behind. That God's saying I, I'm not giving up on you. I'm not done with you yet. That no matter where you are, the story can be rewritten. The story can be rewritten to where it is, it is a, a redemptive story now. 
God's saying you're not left behind. You will never be left behind. We've got to know our God. We've got to know our, the characteristics of our God is that he loves us and that he'll never leave us behind. And this is the one that made me cry. <laughs> and I think it's hard for some guys in here to actually believe this, but he wants us to know that he's proud of you. Guys, he's proud of you. Men, he's proud of you. He's looking at your face. He's looking at your face like his child. And he's holding you there and he's saying, hey man, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud that you're my son. I'm so proud that, that you are with that family. You are with that company. You are with those friends. I'm so proud that you're in that church. I'm so proud of who you are and I'm so proud that you're becoming the man that you are. I love in Matthew, uh, Matthew 3, 17, is, it's, the, it's the baptism of Jesus. John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus, and he's saying, and as he comes out, we know the story is that, that the God, that audible voice, two times in the Bible, audible voice comes down, and what does he say to Jesus? He says, this is my son, whom I am well pleased Do you think Jesus was questioning that? I don't, because he's perfect. So why did God say that? But I think he said that for us. I think he said that for us. I think he said, look at me. He's saying, I think he says that to us. And he's saying, son, you're mine. You are, I love you not because of worth, but because of birth. Right? Not because of you've earned it, but because you were just born into it and you are my son. Jesus hasn't done anything. He's done no ministry at all. He hasn't walked on water. He hasn't turned water into wine. He hasn't, maybe he did it at party favors. I don't know. But he hasn't done anything publicly. And God's still at the, at the beginning of his ministry. He says, Jesus, I am proud of you. And I think it's the message that God's saying to us all is he's saying, son, I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And you're not, you're not perfect and you're not there yet. That's okay. But I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud that you're mine. I'm so proud that, that you're my son and that I get to, I get to call you mine. We've got to know our enemy. We've got to know our God. We've got to know that God loves us. We've got to know that he's not going to leave us behind. We gotta know that he's proud of us. The last thing is this. You gotta know your purpose. You gotta know your purpose. Guys, we all have a purpose. This isn't up for debate. Um, some of you might be thinking, oh, I'm not a dad, I'm not a father, I'm not a, I'm not a business owner, I'm not this, I'm not that, I don't, I don't really have a place, I don't really have a purpose, I just got to kind of take care of myself. No, 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 you have a purpose. God has positioned you where you are with who you are with for a purpose. He wants you to know the enemy, he wants you to know God, but he also wants you to know that you have a purpose. And if you don't fulfill your purpose, 
If you don't fulfill your purpose, the rest of us are vulnerable. The rest of us, I couldn't think of another word, vulnerable. We need you to fill your purpose. We need you to step into it. We need you to not be scared, but to step into our purpose. And the first part of that purpose is this, is to remove all doubt. Remove all doubt. What I mean is this, is that your family, your friends, your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, everyone in life, they have an inner dialogue happening. A lot of times, it's about around the idea of, well, what does my dad think of me? What does my dad think of me? What does my boss think of me? What does my coworker think of me? What does my friend think of me? Because everyone is, everyone is desperate for what they never received. And I've talked about already in this sermon that, that, that we have an epidemic happening to where uh, there is a fatherlessness happening in the generation, meaning that there are hundreds of thousands of people wandering around saying, I'm desperate for some sort of attention. I'm desperate for some sort of affirmation. I'm, so, I'm desperate for someone to be proud of me. Someone to just recognize me. Someone to see me for who I am. To say, hey, I believe in you. And our job as men is to remove all doubt. Do not let for one second the pits of hell get into a a child's mind to think that I don't know if my dad loves me or not. I don't know if my spouse, my husband loves me or not. Never once do we ever give that opportunity. We remove all doubt. And how do we do that? As we use our words Your words are powerful, gentlemen. Your wife needs to hear it. Your kids need to hear it. Not a, you know I love you. No. Face, I love you. And I will always love you. I think it goes beyond that too. The church needs that. The church needs men to stand up and to say, hey, you know what? I've got a church filled with people. I've got a church filled with people that that are desperate for a a father's love, that are desperate for a father's touch, that are desperate for a father's affirmation and just being proud. That we need you, we need you in this place. We need you here doing that. We need you removing doubt in this city. We need you to help us remove doubt in Asheville that that there is not a single person that's going to go unnoticed or unloved because we as men, we as fathers, we as people are going to step in and say, I'm going to remove all doubt. Because I know that my father loves me. I know that my father is proud of me. I know that my father is not angry with me. And so I can take that and now I can give it away. I can give it away to people and just say, hey, there's, you don't need to doubt ever again whether someone loves you, whether someone has accepted you. Like I said, people are desperate for what they don't have. And if we don't give it to them, they will find it somewhere else. And unfortunately, it causes destruction and brokenness. But we can step in and say, no, not on my watch. We remove 
all doubt. The greatest gift that someone gave me as a young man, I was probably 15 years old. The greatest gift someone gave me, and it wasn't my, it wasn't my biological dad. I love my dad. My dad is great, and I, he, he, he has broken some generational sin and curses in our life, and I just, I honor him, and I love him. But the greatest gift that was given to me was a man that wasn't my father, but he was a mentor. And he looked in my face and he said, I believe in you. I believe in you. This is 15-year-old Mikey, like this high. Like this is, this is a punk kid Mikey that, that thought that I was gonna be the next Major League Baseball player and I should have been, but I'm just kidding. Um, this was a punk kid that just didn't deserve it, didn't earn it, didn't, wasn't, a, wasn't, I shouldn't have had another, I shouldn't have had an older man that was able to, to, to believe in me. I didn't, I didn't earn that, I was, but he did. And what that did is that instilled in me this, this confidence of saying, okay, I'm gonna keep going. Okay, I'm gonna, keep, I'm gonna keep fighting because I know that right now there's all this stuff going on in life, but I know that this man loves me. I know that this man has cared about me and this man has shown me that he believes in me. And so I'm gonna, there's nothing more, there's nothing more empowering to a man than for someone else to believe in them. Sorry, I misstated that. There's nothing more powerful in a human than for someone else to believe in them. We can remove doubt, but we need you men to step in and help. The next thing is, is that the goal of this is not to just, don't just stick around. <laughs> know your purpose. Purpose is to remove all doubt. Purpose is also, don't, is, it's not really grammatically correct, but whatever. <laughs> know your purpose, but don't just stick around. Don't just stick around. Don't just be here. That's easy. I talked earlier about that, that if we were to talk, if we were to kind of just kind of rip open some, uh, some roofs and some houses and say, okay, the Father's present, but is he actually? That that, that, that statistic would drastically rise. Or in the church, I mentioned that, that we've got 30% male. And actually, I think ours is about higher than that, so praise Jesus. But but we got 30% male in the church across America. What we need is we don't need you just to be here. What your family needs is not just you to be there. What your wife needs is not for you to just sit there and look like you're listening, but actually be thinking about a sports game. I've never done that before, but I've heard people do that. What your, what your family needs, what we need is your church, what your city needs is, is for you to get in the game, is for you to be a part of the game, for you to, to not just sit on the sidelines, but to get in the game. Be here. Be with us. Be with your family. Be with your kids. Play Barbies. Play race car boy stuff. Whatever. I don't know. Play with your kids. Love them. Be there. Don't just be there. Does that make sense? And then lastly, lastly is worship God as Abba. I'm, not, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest that 
I think this one takes out a lot of men. I think a lot of us are aware that, hey, yeah, you know what? My job as a dad, my job as a man, my job as a father is to remove doubt. I get that. I'm with you. I hear you, Mikey. I'm with you. I get that. And yeah, yeah, I know that I'm not supposed to just sit around. I know that I'm supposed to get involved. I get that as well. But here's, here's where I think we lose a lot of men. And listen, men, this is, this is, this is a, a, a lifelong passion of mine that I want to see come out of the men of this generation. And that is, is that we worship God as Abba. I use that term Abba very, 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 very specifically. And that's a term of intimacy that means daddy. It means Papa. That what our world needs today, what our church needs today, is men that worship Jesus out of emotion and feeling and intimacy. We don't need information. We don't need more and more information or more and more just things to do or not do or we need men to just say, you know what? Jesus is my God. Jesus is my daddy. Jesus is my papa and I'm gonna worship him. And I'm not saying make a spectacle and make it, you know, no. When's the last time that you were alone with Jesus and you sat with him and you, you were reminded of the filth and the grotesque things in your life and you sat with him and you felt you just went to tears? When's the last time you sat with Jesus alone and you cried over the fact that, you know what, I am positioned in my life to be a leader over my family and to lead my kids and to lead this company and to lead these families? When's the last time you sat with Jesus and you said, Jesus, I need to pray desperately for my kids. I need to pray for, for, for my family. When did, when, when's the last time we cried with our, with our papa? And I know for some of us right now, we're thinking, ah, that's not my personality. That's not who I am, but it is. It is. You know why I know that? Because guess what? God took Adam and put him in the midst of nothingness and nothing with names. And he said, hey, I want you to, I want you to name everything on earth. What that takes is that takes a level of intimacy. He's not going to just, I don't think he went into it flippantly and been like, oh, let's name that chair and that foot and that ch-. No, I think he, he went into it with intimacy. He went into it with thought. He went into it with Romans 8.15. Paul's writing to this church and he says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. I think what holds us, gentlemen, right now is fear. Is that we're afraid to get real. We're afraid to get real with God because we're afraid of what we're going to see. And I gotta tell you, we need you. We need you to get, we need you to step into that. Spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. He does not say, you receive this adoption as sons so that we can teach others about God. He says, I want you to receive the spirit of adoption. 
Sit with that, gentlemen. That God knows everything in your mind. He knows everything that you've done. He knows everything that you haven't done. He knows all of your fallings and he knows all of your sins and he still holds your face and he says, I love you and I want you and you're forgiven. I want that, I want that reality to sit on us. We need you, church. Oh, we need you guys. As a church, we need you. We need you. Your families need you to worship God as Abba. I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what that looks like for you, but if you need help, put it on your connect card. We will, we will help you. You're not alone in this. You will not be left behind in this. We, we will walk through this with you. But we need you. 1 Timothy 2.8. This is my life verse. I desire, Paul's writing to the church. He's writing to this young man, Timothy, that's a pastor of this church, and he's saying, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger and quarreling. Paul is saying, my desire is that everywhere I go, and and it's in the Bible, so this is God's desire too. God's desire is, is that everywhere Paul goes, every church he walks into, every city he walks into, every bank he walks into, every workplace he walks into, he sees men leading the way with hands held high, holy hands worshiping and saying, I am here, I am for it, I am here. God wants us to know him. He wants us to know our purpose. And we need you, Jesus. We need you, men, to worship God as your Abba. I know for some of us in here, this is, might be new. Might be the first time you've heard it. Might be the first time you've thought about it. I don't know. And maybe some, maybe some guys in here, maybe some ladies are in here that you're thinking, you know what? I don't know if I've ever experienced God in that intimate kind of way. And I want to. I want to know him in that way. I want to know him that real. I want to know him that intimately. And I believe you can. I believe you can ask him to come come right now and give you that that salvation and not that salvation that's a a gift, a, a, a free ticket into heaven, but that salvation of him saying, here I am, you get me. And so I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna pray for you. And if that's you this morning, I would, I would encourage you to either use my words or use your own words, but cry out to Jesus. Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you that, that you are a God that sees us and loves us and hasn't forgotten, Lord. Right now, Lord, I don't know if I know you like that. And so I ask that you would make yourself known to me. That you would make yourself known to me in such a real way. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my family. I give you my shortcomings. I give you everything. I just want you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.